0: You can't delegate digital transformation for your company. You and your executives have to own it. Executives need to engage, embrace, and adopt new ways of working with the latest in emerging technologies. And that's where we come in. Welcome to Embracing Change. The business world is changing at a faster pace than it ever has, and companies need to keep up. We interview the most interesting CEOs, CMOs, and other executives to talk about their challenges with digital transformation in their industry. This is Embracing Change, and this is your host, Gerardo Carrick. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Embracing Change, a digital transformation podcast where we talk to business leaders and executives about how changes in technology and in consumer behavior are affecting their industries and companies. I am your host, Gerardo Kerik, Chief Digital Strategist at WSI Digital Boost. This show is brought to you by WSI, the largest network of independent digital agencies helping clients worldwide improve the return investment of their digital assets. So today, we're talking about multicultural marketing. Now, why does multicultural marketing matter? A recent study shows that by 2044, the three multicultural groups in the US, Hispanics, African-Americans, and Asians, will become the new majority. Interestingly, 92% of the total growth in the US population within the last 15 years came from multicultural groups. 15% of all marriages are mixed or interracial, 42% of millennials are multicultural and more than 80% use smartphones and they influence more than a trillion in consumer purchasing power. However, even though 67% of the chief marketing officers understand a need for multicultural marketing, they still opt for one size fits all. They still opt for doing a general marketing campaign. I find that very interesting, and I find that a massive opportunity for any brand wanting to differentiate from their competitors in the U.S. So my guest today is David Messas, Director of Sales at Multicultural for NYAX, the Automated Media Platform. We discuss marketing strategies and some interesting points, such as where should we aim when doing multicultural marketing? Do we focus on the language, culture, or both? I hope you enjoy it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Embracing Change. Today, our guest is uh, David Messas. He's Director of Sales uh, for the Multicultural Vertical for NIACS. Um, and David is going to tell us a little bit more about what NIACS is and his role at the, at the, as Director of Sales. But the, 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 the objective of this podcast is to talk about multicultural marketing uh, the growth, the opportunities, the challenges around it, and the, uh, we have a, gr- a great, uh, a great conversation coming. So, David, how are you?
1: I'm doing great, Gerardo. Thank you for having me. Thank Appreciate you for
0: it. you know, thank you for for participating with us. Where where are you connecting from?
1: Miami, Miami, Florida.
0: Okay, okay, the capital of Latin America. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Pretty much, yeah.
0: <laughs> Pretty much, right? Um, that's. That's what the uh, what uh, almost feels like, um, David. Do you want to you know for the benefit of our listeners, uh, why don't you uh, introduce yourself? I mean, I, I did a very short introduction now. Why don't you introduce yourself about your uh, about your current role and also your experience, uh, uh, previous to the conversation?
1: Absolutely. So I currently lead the uh, the multicultural division here, vertical at NIAX uh has partnered with Nasdaq using Nasdaq technology and the financial rigor and transparency of the NASDAQ trading system to apply it to digital marketing, um, uh, buying and execution of, of, of digital marketing inventory as of right now. And it's going to expand into other areas like CTV, audio, uh, TV and other and other channels. Uh, we're essentially optimizing the workflows in the, the digital transaction process uh, mm. from the RFP phase to the contract management and ultimately to the compliance and reconciliation and billing. Um, so sort of soup to nuts, but really optimizing and saving agencies and publishers time in the process. Excellent. Now, now I mean, you, you asked me about my, my, my history. I mean, I came from, a, a, I started a company called Geoscape. Uh, and I worked there for a number of years, about 15 years, and uh, ultimately went over to, to Claritas. And Geoscape was really known for multicultural marketing intelligence, mm-hmm. uh, known as the industry leaders there from data, analytics, consulting. Um, and we were brought into the, uh, the fold of Claritas to, do, to be their multicultural division. And up until Excellent. recently, was, was brought over to NYX.
0: Excellent, excellent. So, so when it comes to the multi the multicultural vertical, how exactly does NIAC's, um if I understand, is almost media, media operations, uh, mm-hmm. services, line up with the you know by vertical? How 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 does that work?
1: Yeah. So, the multicultural uh, division here is really responsible for uh, identifying. Multicultural publishers, minority-owned and diverse-owned publishers, Mm -hmm. uh, Black-owned, Hispanic-owned, LGBTQ+, uh, women-owned, veteran-owned media, as well as media that's uh, targeting or connecting with these individuals. So one thing is media that's owned by these groups and others is those reaching and the combination of those. So we're bringing those publishers to the exchange, as well as the, the holding companies, the agencies, as well as the multicultural independent agencies, to to mm-hmm. come together to really access that uh, that inventory.
0: Okay, okay, that's that's really interesting. Now, Go ahead.
1: one one thing I want to add is that not not just are we bringing those together because I think anyone can can do that nowadays, but it's also ensuring that the investments that are allocated and the budget requirements that are set by the brands to reach diverse or multicultural consumers is actually being you know done that way and is actually being allocated and monitored. From a compliance standpoint, that those budgets are reaching those individuals, so okay. we add that extra layer of of, of monitoring uh, and compliance to the mix.
0: Of course, of course. Now, <clears throat> for the benefit of our um, listeners, you know, uh, I love to talk a little bit about why we chose to speak to you about the multicultural marketing, right? And I have a, a, a few a few things to say about it, but I, but I love to to get your your color into this, right? So we know that. Um, when marketing teams are thinking about marketing they're thinking you know there's there's two ways of thinking there's general market and then there's a multicultural market right and and general market is basically the the whole of of the campaigns in the us and then Mm -hmm. if they have time and budget and they know how to do it then they're going to start thinking about multicultural as a as a as a a second step from that right now why multicultural matters? I, I think there's a study that shows that by 2044, the three multicultural groups in the U.S. Hispanics, African Americans, and Asians are going to become the new majority, right? Mm-hmm. in the in mm-hmm. the in the U.S. Um, and the, what it's interesting—I mean, I have some some data here. What it's interesting is that uh, 92% of total growth in the U.S. population within the last 15 years came from multicultural groups. of all US marriages are mixed or interracial. 42% of millennials are multicultural and more than 80% use digital means, smartphones, Mm -hmm. uh, and they influence more than a trillion in consumer purchasing power, right? Uh, However, even though 60% of chief marketing officers understand that there's a need for multicultural marketing, they still opt for a one-size-fits-all, right? They still opt for doing a general marketing campaign. So uh, I find that very interesting. And I find yeah. that that a, a huge opportunity, a huge opportunity for marketers in the US. What is your take on that? Why is it that, you know, on, on top of all of this data, in your point of view, why does multicultural marketing matters and should matter to CMOs?
1: I mean, I, I've been doing this for almost 20 years, and I think the last, the first census that really woke everyone up was the 2000 census, really showed everyone that uh, multicultural consumers were, were becoming a growth uh, group, Blacks, Hispanics, and Asians. Uh, 2010 census validated that. I believe mm-hmm. over 80% of the growth at the time, or 90% of the growth was from these three groups. This most recent census confirmed that a hundred percent of the growth came from these groups, a hundred percent of the growth, not not 90, it's a hundred percent of it. So the data has been, you know, the data has been there and now it's, it's overwhelming. Um, I think there's also now social factors that are, that are pushing this. There's also business factors and, uh, and, and you just can't ignore where the growth is going. You mentioned a lot of things. They tend to skew younger. They tend to be more digital driven. Uh, they tend to be the future labor force as well, uh, and also prime age groups for a lot of consumer products that that are spent. You know, they're in that age group where they're having babies, buying houses, buying beds. You know, all these things, all these different industries that they impact. Yet, there's still CMOs that are thinking short-sighted or not, uh, don't really believe in it, or don't, mm-hmm. or get caught up. I think they get caught up a lot, and this happens in several industries, um, specifically as or especially in like CPG, where they get caught up. Uh, with the attribution. Like if they can't measure that that exact dollar came from a Hispanic or black or, or Asian consumer or whatever group um, they don't invest in it, you know, mm-hmm. and they, they hesitate. They need to, they need to see it before they believe it. Um, in many cases, instead of believing it before they see it in the actual transactions. And and I think a lot of it comes to the attributions, but uh, the data doesn't lie. And I think that we're going to see a lot of companies, Fall to the wayside if if they don't invest now, they'll be you know far behind the 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 curve. Um, Considering a lot of other competitors are already taking a lot of big companies, the WalMarts, um, the The McDonalds, you know, the Nikes, they're all Mm -hmm. way ahead of that um, leaps and years.
0: Yeah, I I mean Nike had you know with the Nike uh, with the with the Dream Crazy uh, ad, you know, with uh, Colin Kaepernick. I mean, I I think they they beautiful ad. It's a beautiful ad but it's really addressing this new reality in the U.S., right? And, mm-hmm. and it, it made a huge impact. What is interesting for people that haven't seen that ad, what is very, very interesting is that when it, when it was launched, it was heavily criticized. People thought that Nike mm-hmm. was making a mistake.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and everybody criticized, uh, criticized them in the media. And then what happened in social media, do you want to talk a little bit about, the, about that, David? I mean, when, what happened in social media is that consumers totally embraced it right? Mm -hmm. Embrace the multicultural Mm -hmm. element. And here when we're talking multicultural, we're talking about across. I mean, I know you and I were Hispanics, right? We can, people, people can guess that from our names, but here we're talking multicultural, all way African-Americans, Asians, Mm -hmm. Hispanics, they just embrace the whole new reality, brown reality of the U.S., right? Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, Consumers are way ahead of brands uh, in terms of where the future is and the future is now, you know, and, and, and it's been happening since I told you, 2000, 2010, That movement has been happening. We've been seeing a lot of companies invest. Um, we sort of expected that um, to 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 happen um, in the uh, you know in the market, just based on all the you know all the 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 growth in 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 in, in the market, all the consumers that are out there, all the digital uh, influence that's out there, and the people that were making a lot of noise from a consumer standpoint were these younger consumers that have access to social media and different platforms to really make sure their voice is heard.
0: Of course. Of course. Now, <clears throat> some of the arguments I've heard when I speak to CMOs is related to the fact that, okay, yes, you know, there's a multicultural audience, but that it, but that multicultural audience, it's also, um, it has assimila- assimilated in a way, right? It's general market as well. So specifically when we talk about Hispanics, let's, let's just look at the Hispanic a okay. cohort right okay uh, you have first generation which is the people that come here as immigrants and and, and probably mm-hmm. speak uh, very little English and they st- still have a lot of their um, uh, cultural uh, behaviors very very much ingrained uh, that they, you know that they brought from their own um, regions uh, then those people you know stay here in the United States and they they, they have children and those children are second generation right? And then you have the people that have been here for three generations. So you have the first, second, and third. You know this better than I do. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just describing it for our audience. Uh, And the argument that I've heard from from CMOs is that uh, those second generation, and in particular third generation, are uh, bicultural, right? They still Mm -hmm. feel very very much uh, in touch with their culture and their values. But they have assimilated; and they feel total bicultural. They're, you know, they, they they might watch a football game with their friends on a on a Sunday, mm-hmm. and then they might, uh, you know, uh, do a carne asada with their family on, you know, right? So so they would. You're describing both. me. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and my children too, right? And and so their argument is: we reach those people with the general market? Why do we need mm-hmm. to do multicultural marketing? And, and, and I think there's something about emotional connection. And the answer is about emotional connection and being able to connect with those people in a way that is really relevant, that is going to convince them that you're the right brand from that, you know, for them. But what do you, what do you say about, what do you say about that, that argument?
1: Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people get caught up with, um, are they in language? You know, should we be talking to these people in Spanish? Hey, they're, talking, they're speaking English now. They're far removed from the culture. Um, but the fact is that when you're, if we're just talking about Hispanics right now, Hispanics, compared to other immigrant groups in the history of the U.S., have tended to become, instead of uh, assimilating fully to, to, to one culture, to the American culture, the Hispanic culture finds beauty in being bicultural. 100% Hispanic, 100% Latino, and 100% American. They don't feel like they have to choose one or the other. So when you're a brand and you're, and you're thinking just language, hey, these guys, you know, we're going to reach them on ABC or ESPN or you know, whatever it is, um, and not thinking that you know, it's not just about language. Yes, language is a tactic. Should we do English? Should we do Spanish? But I think what's more important, I think where you were alluding to, is being in culture, mm-hmm. looking at the research, looking at the insights. What does the data tell us? What insights can we extrapolate? Um, you know, I'm a second-generation Argentinian. I was born here in Miami, um, English-speaking, bilingual, fully bilingual. And, I, you know, I watch the American football on Sunday, and when there's soccer, I'm watching the, so- the football soccer in uh-huh. Spanish. Yeah. So, yes, you can catch me in either language, but it's not about the language. It's what are you putting in the creative to speak to me and my family and the way that I operate and the way that I shop um, the way that grandmothers are are like super involved in the Hispanic culture and the grandparents and you know that the whole family feel those little insights, even though you 're doing it in English on a on a general market channel, you can still talk to me in a way that really connects emotionally culturally mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and which will move me to 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 hopefully uh, a, a call to action a purchase or something so I think that brands the smart ones understand that they hire agencies that are specialists, that understand these insights, that understand the importance of being in culture and then mm-hmm. treating Spanish language as a tactic. Um, and this goes the same for Asians and any other group. Obviously, with Asians and Hispanics, you have the language thing, um, but there's also certain cultural nuances with African-Americans that you need to touch on, even if you're just reaching the total market, right? Um, you, you do need to speak to those little insights that that you extract from the research or from your interactions with your own customers
0: absolutely because people will feel reflected in the advertising right and they 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 need to feel reflected that they need to be addressed by by the message right and if if you don't pay attention to those um cultural uh, nuances then you're you're missing an opportunity and 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 as you rightly said it's 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 not about being in language. It's about being in culture, and and that in culture means many many things, right? Uh, um, family dynamics, social dynamics, uh, the choice of colors, the choice of of um, of um, the 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 you know the setup for mm-hmm. the social interaction. You know, there's so many many different things, and also uh, it means that if you're in culture, you really uh, it's very nuanced, right? An, exa- an example I have uh, many, many years ago, uh, many years ago, I'm saying eight, nine years ago, I was talking to a friend of mine. I'm, I'm in Atlanta, Georgia, <clears throat> and I have uh, a lot of friends that work for Coca-Cola, right? Mm-hmm. And one of my friends was, I think, marketing director for <clears throat> um, for Hispanics, right? Mm-hmm. And um, he was telling me that... Uh, a lot of what they were doing was uh, trying to be very, very careful with uh, with their messaging in the sense of what they chose to uh, really uh, represent the culture, right? So for example, he, he was giving me the example of if you show for Hispanics, right? If you show for Mexicans in particular, if you show a mariachi hat, that's cliche, right? That's how the general market thinks. Of Mexicans, mm-hmm. in culture for Mexicans, it would be the the, the luchador mask, right? Yeah. That was that was a thing at the time. You would see in the stadiums people with the luchador mask. It was a, a symbol of, among ourselves, we understand each other that that's kind of like a symbol of our culture, mm-hmm. uh, and and I thought that was very very interesting. Uh, it's not only to to. To think about those those symbols that that um, represent that culture, but they they cannot be cliché. They have to be felt appropriate by the culture that you are trying to address.
1: It's true, um, and and yeah, I mean, I I always laugh at, at brands that they just try to appropriate different things and and use little things of the culture to to represent the culture when the culture itself sees it as you know. If, you're very basic you're not you're not really hitting home um mm-hmm. the mariachi is one of the things that, that they do for the mexicans and you can name it for any other group and i think you really need to research you know i came from a research background and a huge believer in, in doing your research whether it's quantitative or qualitative really understanding um your customers right and uh, um yeah. and you know trying to if if you're trying to reach a wider message while still connecting with those different groups, there's certain insights that can talk to all of them. But at some point you're going to have to make a decision. Yeah. I want to have a total market, but there's some markets like a Miami, an LA, you know, where you do need to speak to Hispanics, you know, you do need to, your general market is your Hispanics, right? Mm-hmm. The Hispanics mm-hmm. are the general market. So in certain markets, you need to be market specific. You can't have a general national campaign. But when you're in your market, you need to be local, um, and I think multicultural is also local. You know, it's neighborhood that's to neighborhood, ver- market to market.
0: That's a that's a very good point. That is a very good point, point. Um, and I don't know if that falls on on the multicultural layering that we wanted to talk about, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna drop it there because it's true. I mean, just staying just a little bit more on the on the Hispanic example, but mm-hmm. I want this to I want us to move. Out, out of Hispanic, right, in, mm-hmm. in a second. But just staying on the Hispanic example, Hispanic is just a general word, but there's so many nationalities mm-hmm. in, in mm-hmm. within Hispanic marketing, right? And, and those nationalities normally are a, a located in different areas and regions of the United States, right? So if you're talking about Florida, probably you're talking more about cubans and venezuelans right if you're talking about california probably you're talking more about mexicans and if you're up in new york might be more dominicans and all of these uh, cultures uh, yes they share hispanic uh, as a, a, a hispanic brand or the hispanic uh, title because they share a language but really culturally very, they're very very different they behave differently in in in, in many many patterns in, in, in their social behaviors, their saving behaviors, their purchasing behaviors are are totally are totally different. So, uh, to your point, there's some layering that needs to be put on top of the title, right, of either Hispanic or Asian or African American. Can mm-hmm. you tell us a little bit more about how that looks for uh, other uh, other uh, yes, uh, minorities, or now almost majorities?
1: In terms of the different uh, like countries of origin and whatnot?
0: Yeah, I mean, what does it mean, for example, if we're, if, if marketeer is trying to, to reach out to Asian Americans, right? Mm-hmm. I, I assume, I don't know uh, much about Asian American uh, marketing exactly, but I assume it, it would have a similar effect to what we just described about Hispanics, where mm-hmm. to target a Cuban, is totally different than to target a Mexican
1: yeah so and i think that's what scares i have to say that probably is one of the things that scares the marketers because i um it's when they see oh my god there's so many different groups and and do i i don't want to offend an argentinian or a mexican with a word that i say or you know when you're talking about asians i think with asians it's even more important to to be cognizant of the countries with Hispanics, I mean, we have a lot a lot more similarities than we'd like to admit. I mean, we like to think that we're different from each country and we do have our differences, but there's a lot of similarities. when you talk to Asians, you, you have an Asian Indian, you have Asian Japanese, and there's completely different cultures. There's similarities in the sense of of the Asian background and the way that we we as marketers look at them. Um but if you if you look at the data again, the data, the research, you'll notice that even among Asians, there's certain groups that over-index for certain things, whether it's mm-hmm. ele- electric vehicles or whatever the purchase may be, and it's certain countries that do better in those in those purchases. We'll, we'll lump it all as oh wow, Asians do great with electric vehicles. But when we look deeper in the data, we'll notice that it's probably the Chinese or Japanese or whatever group it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, don't quote me on that because I haven't looked no, at it. No, the data no, no, no. Those, But <laughs> there's certain you know there's certain data as uh, over-indexing that happens within certain groups. Now it can get it can get messy if you start talking about all the different languages and whatnot. But I think again, when you're talking about Asians, marketers are trying to find similarities within the group, just like with with Hispanics. Mm-hmm. But if they do identify a certain insight that says, "Hey, it's Asian Indians that are doing this over-indexing purchasing on this category," then we do uh consult them on on being more specific and talking to that group specifically and really understanding the language uh, implications if necessary and any other insights you need on that group but yeah that's where it can get i wouldn't say messy but a little bit more complicated and that's why you bring specialists a, a specialist agency an asian agency that knows what they're doing really understands how you can talk to them as a group but where they know where you can win by talking to them individually, and you need to have an you need to have experts, just like you have experts for any other segmentation you do, or any other marketing you do for the general market. Um, you need to be smart, and 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 the data just shows it. At this point, um, you need to look at it. But as marketers, we need to make it easier for the CMOs and the brands to really um, test the waters, dip your toes in, and start talking to these groups, uh, and then being more strategic. More in each and, and speaking to each individual country of origin.
0: okay so so I would love to uh, and, I, and I think that's that's really interesting. How those then uh, artificial intelligence platforms and, and digital platforms like the the, you know, the one that they, that you' represent help CMOs test those waters and make those decisions?
1: Well for the first you know in the initial part, it's access to the inventory. Uh, Mm -hmm. making recommendations on not just the the diverse-owned inventory, but also the inventory that's reaching these groups. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of that right now, it's really done manually. Mm -hmm. Um, When we program the parameters of the campaign into a system like like the NIAX platform, the system will go in there and search for the inventory and do it all automatically over thousands of different publishers and Mm -hmm. then return the right inventory that we recommend curated for you. And that's something that could take a person a week or so, and it's being done in milliseconds. Okay. Um, the other thing is you can put offers in there, uh, or requests for orders and say, Hey, I'm looking, I looked in the system, the system didn't find exactly what I needed. I'm looking for this specifically, put out the orders and all the publishers will get those orders and start to bid on that RFP for you. So the AI is, is, is enabling and automating a lot of that too. Um, another important part is, is, is monitoring that these impressions are being served to these groups because mm-hmm. you're investing all this money. Um, and for whatever reason, it's not being served. You, you need to be doing make goods. Um, that creates gaps in the performance of the campaign. And then at the end of the day, the, the CMO sees, hey, you know, this didn't work. But when you look at the data, maybe there was inefficiencies in the performance of the campaign due to fraudulent viewability or whatever it might be that our system using technology and AI can detect and notify the parties real time so mm-hmm. that you can address it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I mean, it's and it's really what I say is start small, start where, you know, you can win lowest hanging fruit. Some people start with Hispanics. Some, some folks are with other groups, depending on their categories. Mm-hmm. Um, don't try to do them all at once. Some okay. folks try one group and then they learn and apply those learnings. Believe it or not, there's learnings that you can apply to other groups.
0: Oh, really? Um,
1: yeah. Yeah. There's, there certainly is. I mean, not necessarily the insights, but the, the, how you're going to market, um, and just, you know, the flow of the creative and, and just the, the, the reception of the, of the ad by the different groups. So there's a lot of insights you can extract and learn from and then make better on the on the follow-up. But we've seen that brands that try to do too much and try to reach all the groups at once and try to say, hey, it's the best thing to do. Let's go do it. They, they bite off more than they can chew mm-hmm. um, and then, then end up shelving the project for another year or two, right? So that's what mm-hmm. we want to avoid and, and make the test nimble, easy to measure uh, and defining what success means upfront Is it to drive more sales? Is it drive more awareness, more clicks, and being very specific on what uh, success means? Yeah, what upfront. the KPI
0: is. Yeah, <clears throat> what the KPI is. And the, David, I'll be interested to, to, to know how much do you see the multicultural effort being driven by digital platforms that can actually reach out, it can be easily segmented. That you can actually attribute to the right media, the right channel. You know, the 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 the, the, the investment versus above the line uh, investments uh, that normally it's hard for you know for for advertisers to to know. Where exactly the investment went who who mm-hmm. you know who 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 was reached by the message so do, do you see in your experience working with clients do you see clients using um, digital platforms as the main means to to drive multicultural while uh, above the line platforms or above the line investments uh, to drive more of a general message uh, what what the your experience what is it that you've seen and maybe there's not there's there's, there's not an answer for this but I just want I just to yeah. ask
1: there's I mean there's not a perfect answer a beautiful answer I mean they they're the tv the audio I think it's going be radio you know direct mail I think it's also still important all those all those channels um, but you're seeing a strong shift to digital overall, and um, mm-hmm. advertising in general. But for multicultural, even faster shift because of the numbers faster. that show the the increase. You know, the high indexing for social, for digital, for tech usage, for phone. You know, usage so mobile, mm-hmm. um, and mobile is digital, right? So and and streaming and whatnot. So you're seeing a lot more of that movement by these groups. Mm-hmm. So the dollars are shifting, but I I I, I wouldn't stop investing in those other channels. Those other the, the mass, you know, the mass platforms uh, or even the local radio channels that, that reach these groups specifically, because you do need to take an omni-channel approach, mm-hmm. um, you know, TV wise, radio wise, digital wise, but also when you're talking about uh, in the digital s- ecosystem, also reaching them through, you know, digital, social email and trying to be like an omni-channel approach so really surround the, the customer, make them feel like you're everywhere. Um, but the biggest thing is attribution. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. whatever channels you're using, the more measurable it is, the more likely it is that the CMO and the CFO eh, who's driving a lot of those decisions will, will say, okay, let's, let's invest behind it. Okay. So digital being by nature is more measurable and it's taking a lot of those dollars because of that.
0: Because of that, and and uh, when it comes to AI platforms like NIAX, uh, and you're talking about multicultural investment, are we talking about what type of inventory? What you know, what type of assets uh, can you find in these type of platforms? Is it is it uh, display display networks? Is it uh, um, uh, pre-roll ads in 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 video platforms? Is it uh, um, Keyword base, uh, yeah. copy ads, you know, t- tell me a little bit more about what's available.
1: It's digital ads and, and video ads um, on the ad networks. We're mm-hmm. not, we're not doing social or search or, or okay. you know, any keywords, any of that uh, yet. Uh, we are exploring CTV and audio as well. So that should be uh, added soon um, from, but from a digital, it's just the, the video and, and display ads on the ad networks. And and you can get an inventory from, you're the Colossus of the world, the Colossus SSP that has diversal media and, and multicultural targeted media to your Univisions, your age codes, exactly. you know, all the different uh, players in the multicultural space, as well as new up and coming uh, publishers that are, that are joining the ranks to get their media out there. So we're doing a lot of work curating. Uh, we have a team that works on the publishers and a team mm-hmm. that works on the buyers, which is the agencies and the brands.
0: And, and, and that is all, when we talk about video ads, that, that's uh, all through addressable TV platforms, right? Correct. Okay. Correct. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Um, so, for example, it, when it comes to, let's say, a, an advertiser that wants to build a media plan around um, uh, uh, a multicultural segment, is it a one-stop shop? You know, can they you know can they go with a, with a, with Nyax or one of your competitors and do a one-stop shop, or or do they still have to deal with different, you know, with different um, organizations to be able to place that
1: uh, that effort? Yeah, I mean, we work with the advertising agencies, uh-huh. and um, you know, we we work directly with them and and their brands and the campaigns that they're running. Um, we do have some brands that have brought in their digital media buying in house. You're seeing that happen more and more. Mm -hmm. So when it's a digital media buying company, you know, we can work directly with them, but they're still going to need to work on their creative. They're still going to have to make, you know, the, the, the activation of the campaign in their DSP uh, or on their ad servers. So they still need to execute and activate the campaign outside of the platform. Um, but they, we would be managing uh, the sourcing of the inventory, the contract management, the the monitoring of those those uh, campaigns using whatever billable source the client has, whatever verification partners they have for fraudulent viewability or for the impressions. Uh, and we looked, at, we we monitor all that in one place, and then we help them with the final piece, which is the billing and the reconciliation of that. But the actual activation after we found the inventory and created the deal IDs. We push those to their DSP or their ad servers, and then they can activate and run the campaign, uh, essentially outside. So whether it's direct with the brands or with the their agencies, but they still need to have a you know a creative team and
0: of course, and of someone course. kind of
1: monitoring the the whole the whole thing.
0: Of course, but they can manage their you know their campaign through through the platform
1: basically. Absolutely, yeah. They they can have one person in there looking at it. Um, and sometimes not even be in there because it'll notify you if something strange is happening that you should be that you should check out, and it'll shoot mm-hmm. you an email, and and you can be notified immediately.
0: Excellent, excellent, um, David. I know we 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 had a prep talk before uh, before this, and uh, I recall us talking also about uh, adding into. I don't know if it's it could be called multicultural, but you know there's there's the segment the LGBT uh, LGBT segment, mm-hmm. uh, woman you know, all sorts of uh, um, different segmentations that are still very relevant for brands in order to, to really connect with the, with audiences. Uh, mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little bit more about that and, and how that layers on top of what we've been discussing?
1: Yeah, so the Association of National... Uh, uh, the ANA, Association of National Advertisers, almost forgot their name there. Um, <laughs> they have a conference... A, every year on, on multicultural and diversity and inclusion. Um, and, you know, from the very beginning, you know, a lot of folks looked at multicultural as just, you know, these multicultural groups like African-Americans, Hispanics, Blacks, Asians, these different groups. Um, but more and more, uh, the ANA and other, and, and companies like us have, have included more groups that uh, are diverse. They may not be multicultural, but they, they belong part of that diverse and, and inclusiveness set. Mm-hmm. which uh, LGBTQ+, uh, veterans, uh, people with disabilities, um, even women, you know. So there's, there's certain groups that are um, underrepresented, underserved, um, and, uh, you know, we, we, we tend to look at the, all, all of them the same in the sense that we want them to be included in these campaigns and talked to specifically by these companies. And so we make uh, inventory that reaches those groups and that are owned by those groups available mm-hmm. on our platform. So mm-hmm. we follow the same, the same uh, you know, requirements or, or recommendations that the ANA puts out there, and we attend their conference every year and it's one that it's the premier multicultural conference and diversity and inclusion conference in, in the US and one that uh, I recommend folks attend if, if they want to learn more about what's happening and, and what will continue happening in this uh, this industry.
0: So So uh, can you repeat you know for the benefit of our audience, uh, the name of the conference and the do you know when it happens?
1: So it's the Association of National Advertisers, the ANA, mm-hmm. and it's the ANA Multicultural and Diversity Inclusion uh, Conference. It happens one year. So this this year it was in San Diego in November. And now next year, it's going to be in Hollywood, Florida. So it bounces from the East Coast to the West Coast. And the okay. following year, it'll be back in, in San Diego. But it'll be in Hollywood, Florida, 2022, I believe, in November. Yeah,
0: Around November. Excellent. Excellent. So... I'd like to move to our next topic which is a uh, scale versus niche right uh, we talked about the the importance of addressing multicultural and and how brands need to balance general market versus multicultural efforts is do, do brands need to choose if they have to go for scale or they can go niche is this something that could actually be achieved uh, both you know both of them Um Let's talk about that. What's your point of view on this?
1: Yeah. I mean, in a perfect world, we could have both, but we're actually getting closer to that perfect world where these groups are big enough, where the niche, if you want to call the, you know, Spanish or multicultural are, are big enough that they have the scale, right? Nationally. Mm-hmm. Um, when you start looking at some markets, perhaps not. And I think that's where it gets a little bit, uh, you know, gray area, but there is scale nationwide and and we're starting to see more scale in the digital ecosystem too. I think initially for the first few years, uh, there was difficulty, I think up until recently too, there was difficulty in reaching scale. Mm -hmm. Um, there's also difficulty in reaching scale on the social media platforms too, because they're being more uh, restrictive on how you can target groups, right? Like Mm -hmm. the Facebooks of the world and the Googles are being more restrictive on how you can isolate or connect with multicultural and diverse groups. Um, but we're seeing a lot more data players in the space, a lot more publishers um, that are coming together and creating the scale nationally. But again, I think the hesitation is when you start to hit specific markets, do you have enough scale um, to reach them? And that's, you know, that's, that's something that it will vary by group, but that's been continuously and gradually improving. Uh, as you get as you have more data, players uh, creating data lakes, onboarding off, you know, offline data online to allow you to target individuals. Um, so it's creating that scale, but still, it's still not there yet uh, in some markets. But nationally, for a brand, to say they're not reaching scale, is is not a good excuse.
0: It's not a good excuse because because now there's enough, you know, these minority groups or multicultural groups are. I keep calling them minority, but it's not, no longer a minority, right? Yeah, they, no, these, multi, no. <laughs> these multicultural groups are now, uh, they've, they've reached a, um, a size mm-hmm. that uh, their, their scale uh, on themselves.
1: Yeah, they've reached significant scale. I mean, if you just talk about the, the Hispanic group, that's 62 million nationwide. I mean, yeah. if that's not, if you don't want 62, I mean, 62 million people, I mean, you're not going to get them all, but imagine just yeah. a percentage of that becoming your customers every year. Right. Um, and that's just one of the groups. Yeah. Uh, when you add them all together, I think you're closer to, you know, like a hundred million or so or more. So yeah. it's, uh, you, you, ha- you get the scale and the fact that more and more of them are digital, more and more of them are mobile, more and more companies are investing to, to connect those dots. You're mm-hmm. getting the scale now while we're on the point of scale, as you have companies like Google removing cookies and companies like Apple creating it harder for you to connect with folks digitally by, by removing those digital connectors. I think there you're going to have some issues with scale across a lot of different groups, not just multicultural. Yeah. Um, But then you're going to be able to target based on, you know, lifestyles and other, and other known factors that may still create that. So, but for now, I'll answer the question of how I answered it, but uh, yeah, not a good, not, not a good reason to not invest.
0: Yeah, and and really, the 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 issue with the with iOS changes and and what some of the platforms are are doing has less to do with brands being able to target those audiences. It has more to do with being able to attribute the conversion, right? Yeah, because we're not getting the data point back or the or the traction back, but we're mm-hmm. still being able to to address us audiences appropriately. Yes. Right?
1: For and, now, I mean. <laughs> for for now. now,
0: for now. True, 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 for yeah. sure, for sure, for sure. So, <clears throat> just citing some of the ANA numbers, right? Uh, that, 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 that you talked about. There was <clears throat> in the 2018 trends analysis, right? That the ANA uh, ran, mm-hmm. um, Expose that the over between fifty and sixty percent of top U.S. advertisers spend less than one percent of their ad budget targeting multicultural audiences. Right? Although multicultural audiences represent way more of their spending power, um, do you think that that is being rebalanced, or or there's a chance for that to to get rebalanced the, in the near future?
1: You know, based on my work that I did previously, I did a lot of database enrichment for a lot of the major, I'm not going to name names, a lot of the major brands in the U.S. that have data, that have consumer data, Um, and we would help them identify the ethnicity of their customers using an advanced algorithm based on on immigration summary data, highly accurate, over 90% accurate, which would allow us to identify the percent of their customers that are Hispanic, Black, Asian um and in many cases the percentages were either the same as the US population or higher which means that their their customer base was in some cases almost 20% hispanic almost 30 40% multicultural um and 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 then their investments reflected like you said 1% less than 5% definitely less than 10% mm-hmm. um which doesn't even start to talk to half of, you know, just barely goes over the, the percent of Asian population in the U S is, is mm-hmm. about six or 7%. So the, the percentage, if you look at it, apples to apples, it's not close. Should it be the same? Yes. In a perfect world, us marketers would love for it to be 40% of the budgets go to multicultural. I don't think it'll be like that. Um, but what, what should be is a more realistic percentage, right? Maybe 20% of it. Right. That, mm-hmm. that really addresses the core and gives you enough resources to to really talk to these folks nationally, like we talked about, but then having the resources to talk to them locally and really hit home where you know you have a right to win. In markets mm-hmm. like Charlotte, Raleigh, North Carolina that are growing significantly that nobody was paying attention to mm-hmm. uh, from a big market standpoint are now growing really fast and they're growing because of multicultural consumers. Being smart on where you can add budget to really win. Um, but if you just sprinkle 10 I mean, 5%, 10%, I wish yeah. they had that high. If it was 5%, you're not going to have enough resources to do it right. And then you're going to say it doesn't work. Yeah. And that's probably why a lot of CMOs don't do it because they've gone um, half you know, on, on what they should be doing. Yeah. And, um, and in reality, this requires an investment just like the general market requires an investment and it should be a true analysis. And we're now seeing, like you said, the, the research by the ANA. Um the ANA also created AIM. It's another acronym. Don't don't ask me to spell it out, AIMM. Um, and and they're in charge of of inclusiveness <clears throat> and multicultural marketing. They have members that have signed up to 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 ensure that, that representation, that those budgets grow.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So now there's a lot more um accountability by them by the industry leaders, by the industry organizations, by the CMOs like Procter and Gamble's Mark Pritchard, mm-hmm. who stands very proudly in front of that and 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 encourages companies to invest. And he's doing that for PNG, which I you know I tip my hat off to them. Of course. Um, but that is really what it's going to take. It's 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 increasing that investment. Because if you if you don't invest fully and expect the same results as you don't invest like the general market, but expect the same returns and and results as the general market. Um, you know, that's insanity, right? And, and, and and that's been going on for many years, but I will tell you in the last 16 months, uh, all the social changes that have happened in this country, all the, the political and uh, social and corporate changes have really changed the conversation. I think we're in a different time now. I'm not saying it's going to swing to 10%, 20% overnight, but you're seeing some significant changes, some significant commitments by big companies.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it, I think one of the key takeaways of 2020, right, is that the culture is shifting, right? Culture is shifting. We have a young, more diverse. Uh, mm-hmm generations mm-hmm. that uh, soon are gonna be jumping into leadership positions right um, that they would have in a few years more power, more influence mm-hmm. um, and those communities um, are gonna be uh, more diverse, more multicultural uh, open, more open also to social changes. Um, you know we know that there's more women of color in in, in jobs. We know that there are more African-Americans and Hispanics finishing college and starting to increase uh, the household incomes of, uh, of the families. Um, and you know that, edu- that education is gonna be a, a, a power tool as well because they're gonna be able not only to earn more but also influence more in society. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to me, if I'm a CMO looking at my 10-year plan, and I don't know if anybody does attain your plans anymore, but uh, if we're looking at the future of mm-hmm. um, of the markets, um, not looking at <clears throat> multicultural as a <clears throat> as a real avenue for growth, it's almost insanity. It's almost insanity, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. um, you're you're basically not uh, addressing our a reality of a changing society in in this country for the better. It's a changing society for the better. I mean it's a more inclusive society. It's a society that that recognizes our differences, right? Um, so anyway. I know this is your interview, but I, I feel no, no, I'm, I'm, uh,
1: like <laughs> you're preaching to the choir, but I'm I'm with you hundred percent. I mean that's that's the way it is. All the things you said is is on point um, about the, these generations are getting, you know, what, what we, you know, what we call the millennials are, are now the oldest millennials are 40 years old, you exactly. know, so they're not babies anymore.
0: Exactly. And,
1: and, um, and they were born with technology. They grew up, you know, in, in the years where technology was created, that's, that's the whole millennial thing. Um, let's not even talk about Gen Zs, but even Gen Zs are getting to an age where they're starting to influence. But once you get that millennial force, even, the millennial generation, even more into the, the labor force, you're going to see significant uh, changes, changes for the better. I mean, mm-hmm. um, for the most mm-hmm. part, I would say, but just just be, in terms of inclusiveness and in, in terms of caring for the world and and, and and putting their money behind brands that actually stand behind what they, they, they say and care about the communities they serve. Though, that's that's, this, that's what this generation is all about. It's all about. And, um, and um, they also grew up you know, seeing the mistakes or opportunities or whatever you want to call it of the previous generations, just like any other previous generation Mm -hmm. before, before them. And and I think they're going to learn from that and and apply it. Um, But yeah, like you said, how many people actually have 10 year plans now? How many CMOs stick around after two, four years? No. Um, How many agencies have an account for more than five years? I don't know. Maybe there's probably a lot, but not that many. Mm-hmm. Um, where they where they they can see that that far into the future and plan that way, um, but like I said, the future is not five years away. The future is now. It was yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I've been doing this for twenty years, and and honestly, Gerardo, we've been having this conversation with people every day um, of those years with data, with charts, with maps, with their own their own customer data, uh-huh. and they still refuse to. To you know, put in the budgets that equate to the opportunity in front of them. Now, not all of them. You still have you know, the, the smart players, the Nestle's of the world, the PepsiCos of the world. You, you mentioned Coca-Cola, they, they as well. Um, the General Mills, the PNGs, a lot of these companies are doing it right. Mm-hmm. They still have a lot to learn too, and they're and they're humble about it. Um, but they're proactive about their investments.
0: And and do you think, um, do you think one of the probably reasons why they're not committing some of the companies that are not committing, could it be uh, because of representation, lack of representation?
1: I mean, it it helps. I I, I'm a big believer that it helps to have representation in the room where the people that are making the decision, you need to Mm -hmm. have folks that understand that you have lived it or lived around it, Mm -hmm. but that, that can represent it. I'm not saying you have to be of the culture. Um, because you could probably live around a certain culture and, and be immersed in it where you really understand it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you do need to have folks represented in the room um, at whatever level, you know, wherever the decisions are being made, you do need to have folks that, that can influence that. And if you don't have them in your company, if you're not there yet, it's fine, you're going to get there, at least hire folks, consultants, agencies, people that have folks like that on their teams that can bring that wealth in-house. Exactly.
0: Hire, you know? hire that.
1: Yeah. Outsource it if you have to. Yeah. Outsource diversity if you have to. can't believe I'm saying that, but that's that's the way some companies are treating it. If you have to. But I think at some point you're going to have to make sure your team is diverse and inclusive because you want to represent the communities you're serving.
0: Of course. Of course. So, <clears throat> David, in your point of view, um, from your perspective, what's next? What's next in multicultural uh, marketing? What's coming? I mean...
1: Now for me, I mean, the future is bright. I think there's, there's a lot of opportunities, a lot more companies. You're going to see the skips, the tips scaled more, uh, the scales tipped more towards multicultural when you see more and more companies, uh, standing behind that and showing the the results of those investments. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we get, like I mentioned the ANA conference. We get to see a lot of the, the speeches of those CMOs at that conference and they talk about the successes they've had. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think more and more as, as more companies share around the campfire, what's going on um, in the industry and, and what's working and more thought leadership, you're going to see more investments. In, and that's going to accelerate dramatically the, the, the multicultural, the diversity. I mean, the word of the year, I just put, put it on my LinkedIn today, is, the word of 2020 for the ANA is diversity. And it won by a landslide. Mm-hmm. So if that doesn't tell you something, it's it's just the beginning of, of, of something big. Um, I think also you're going to see more and more uh, more and more investments on what can be measured. That's going to be accelerated as well. Mm-hmm. What can be measured, what can be tied back to someone walking into a store. Um, I know there's going to be more difficulty based on what we talked about with cookies and mobile device IDs and all that being restricted from the attribution. But I think we're also going to be, we're going to see innovations in that space to mm-hmm. be able to measure the success. Um, and at the end of the day, um, because of companies like NIACS and others, you're going to see more automation, more involvement mm-hmm. of the blockchain, more transparency in mm-hmm. the mix mm-hmm. um, to ensure that, hey, I, I put 10 million impressions. How many of those were actually seen by people? Did it show up? Where, where was it shown on the screen? Um, was it fraudulent? Uh, you know, all these, these different metrics that will help keep the, the publishers accountable the agencies and then the brands accountable to themselves in terms of the investments they're making. So I mm-hmm. think AI is going to be a, a, play a greater role in automating a lot of parts of the the process that for some time have, have, have been obviously manual, but also uh, in some cases, mismanaged uh, and, and brands are waking up to, you know, the, how their budgets are being invested, where it's being invested and, um, and what, what it's driving. But I'm excited about it because there's going to be more data, more tech, and with 5G and the web 3.0 that's that's coming around the corner um, it's just exciting times to to be in marketing and, and advertising
0: it's very very exciting and <laughs> it's very exciting for us i mean you know we have a, a digital marketing agency digital yeah. marketing consulting and you know we've grown this year with multicultural clients that's one one of the reasons we wanted to to talk to an expert like like yourself um and as we discussed during the podcast, uh, a lot of this growth is going to be channeled through digital platforms, right? Mm-hmm. So um, we're really looking forward to all of this because obviously uh, we want to be part of that as well. So it's all, it's all very interesting uh, uh, future, hopefully. Very good. David, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciated uh, this conversation. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, and uh, I don't know, um, I, ho- I hope you did too
1: and although i enjoyed it tremendously it was, it was it's fun to talk to you and just to get into the flow of, of speaking about the multicultural and the industry it's something i'm passionate about i'm, I'm happy that, that you are too and um and i'm excited to, to to be on the on the podcast and hopefully someday we can also work together and, and capitalize on on the, I would the love love to. digital you know wave that's coming our way <laughs>
0: i would love to i would love to and by the way i'm i'm um, I'm going to go to Florida in, in, in January for business and I'll, I'll try to reach out to you and, and be yeah. able to meet in person now that yeah. we're, we're starting to get together again.
1: Absolutely, Gerardo. Thank you Dinner so much. Thank you, David. De nada. Cuídate. Bye now.